0: In the dum 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 Hello and welcome to episode five of Two in the Authors podcast. With me, David B. Lyons, and me, Robert Enright. And on today's show,
1: David and I are going to be taking a deep dive into the costs of independent publishing. Uh, we'll also be tackling a question from one of our amazing listeners about uh, going wide, and we also have tremendous post-apocalyptic and romance author Claire C. Riley joining us. To face our seven questions um so she'll be in the hot seat later yeah, however looking forward to that however david before we step into our week that was may i wish you a very happy birthday
0: oh thank you very much my, my most handsome friend i'd say my most handsome friend sounds like a compliment but if you saw my friends robert it's really <laughs> not that much of a compliment but um <laughs> thank you Thank you very much. I t- today, November 10th, we're recording this. Um, I'm officially mid-40s. Wow. It's not Mid-40. cute. You don't look a day over 10. Oh, thanks very
1: much. Um, Thank you very much. However, I will say to our listeners that David does accept presents, uh, Yes, and I accept them on his behalf as well. So
0: yeah, send them our way. Two in yeah. the, uh, Facebook, two in the others at Facebook, please. Any <laughs> gifts you have, any vouchers?
1: So, uh, Mister Birthday Boy, how have the last seven days treated you?
0: A little bit stressful, would you believe? It's um, it's more because tomorrow, uh, which is Friday on November eleventh, which has been a day that as a date that's almost had a beacon sort of flashing at me over the past couple of months is the day that my next novel is due with my editor. Mm. And I mentioned this last week on the podcast. I would have rather have another, an extra week or two redrafting um, the sort of 78,000 words is what this one came in at, which is a little less than normal. But I would, I'd love another week with it. I really yeah. would. Um, so I've just been a little bit sort of anxious about rushing the redraft as i sort of have over the past few days i'm still really happy with the novel i must say uh i think it's got a a, a great arc and it's it's a good summation of the entire trilogy but i would just love another oh, even another another five days with it just to ref- you know yourself robert that, that when the more times you go over your novel the sharper it becomes right do you find that the more redrafting sort of goals you have at it it just tight you just you, you always see things even when my books are published i see things and, oh i could have tightened up that sentence or yeah it's it, it just the more you're at it now, my first book midday there's nothing really i would improve about it, even though it's not my favorite novel but because i worked on it for two years and it was so sharp um, it had so many readers i probably had about 15 redrafts processed that one with this oh, one wow. I, I would love another Yeah, because midday went through the whole ringer of trying to find a publishing deal for months and months, you know what I mean, before um, it finally found one. But I think it's probably my cleanest book, although not my favorite book. But this one, I just think because I'm not blaming you, Robert, but because I took a little leaf out of your book of uh, booking the editor in early before I was finished. I sort of have given myself a deadline that, as I say, has been sort of beaconing don't, at me and calling out to me, not your don't, fault.
1: Don't you poo poo my advice. I gave that <laughs> advice on this on this podcast. Yeah,
0: It's actually sound <laughs> advice. It is sound advice for certainly <laughs> certainly for someone like me who will just wander around the book for months and months. So I, and the thing is, I needed to release this book in 2022 because. It's sort of a pivotal point of the whole trilogy. One book is set 25 years in the past, the first book in 1997. The middle book, which is called America Present, is set in 2022. And the third book, which I've written and has gone off to the editor tomorrow, is called America Future. And that's set 25 years in the future. So it would have been a little bit poor of me professionally to release it in 2023. It had to be released in 2022, albeit in the, the last month of 2022. But, yeah, I've been a little bit stressed or a little bit anxious is probably the way to put it, about getting that book over to the editor tomorrow. I'm going to, as soon as we're finished recording today, I'm going to work at it and work at it. What, what a way to spend your birthday. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, hopefully I have it. I'm happy with it by the time it goes off to Lisa, who's my editor tomorrow. Um, so yeah, a little bit of an anxious week. What, what about you since we last spoke?
1: Um, as you know, I told you that I haven't been very well. Um, yes. As I think our listeners know, I have a I have a young toddler, and mm-hmm. I believe she's just coughed and sneezed in my face one too many times with her yes. nursery bugs. That, uh last couple of days I've been a bit um, underwear. I feel better today, though, so Judge. hopefully there'll be no coughing or sneezing fits uh, <laughs> on this podcast. If there is, I will endeavour to turn my mic off. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, so I've had that, which you know it can can knock you off your stride a little bit especially when you're sitting there trying to
0: you know formulate ideas and whatever um yeah when that frontal lobe is heavy with the cold or something it's just so difficult to be creative isn't it
1: it's yeah it's difficult to sit down and go right let's crack on with this when all you want to do is curl up in bed um but i got i scored more brownie points this week um, with the in-laws, with the in-laws, the final, yes. the final batch. I, I, I to. I've been storing all of the mother-in-law's um, house <laughs> in my garage while she's oh been right. in the process of moving. So uh, yesterday, I hired a van and I took it all over there and unloaded it for her. So, oh wow, um, that those bony points are adding up. I know that should be the last of it, but uh, but I did that. But apart from that, I've just been doing some. Um, speaking of my mother-in-law, David. She finished yes. Betsy Blake. Oh, she did? How did she yeah. get on? She thought it was tremendous. Oh,
0: good, good. Oh, I'll take that pull quote.
1: I um, yeah, Rob's mum. Rob's mother in Yeah, <laughs> tremendous
0: yeah. Rob's mum-in-law.
1: Um, however, she, she did say, I was like, how are you getting on with it? And she said, oh, I'm at 91%. I was like, oh, you're nearly there. And she was like, yeah, I'm saving it before, like she always reads before she goes to bed. And then the next day I said to her, I was like, oh, how'd you go on with it? And she's like, oh, it was brilliant. I mean, did you see the twist coming? She went, not at all. I was furious. I was like, oh, good. <laughs> so there you go. Great. K- King of the twist. Still make, there. Make,
0: making readers furious since 2018.
1: Yeah. I love it. And
0: yeah. um, um, professionally, how are you getting on? So you're doing nanorama. How do you pronounce that?
1: NaNoWriMo.
0: Na Nano. Yeah. Yeah. How you do How many? So we're on the tenth of November today, my birthday. How many words have you got done?
1: I'm just under twenty thousand.
0: Oh, that's good. So yeah, that's really that's that's impressive. Okay, so, so that's a quarter of a book in the first two weeks of a, of a month.
1: Yeah, I, I don't write on the weekend. That's my yeah, so it's one, only yeah. That's my rule. I had with my wife when I went full time is I don't steal away during uh, weekends. I don't myself. Anymore. Yeah. Um. And I've had a few days where I've not obviously like yesterday was a write off because I was um busy delivering you know furniture getting Um,
0: brownie pints
1: but uh i'm on track i'm definitely on track like next week i've got a pretty clear diary to just steam through it and it's picking up speed i'm really enjoying writing this one I i think it's got a very good um catalyst for why sam gets involved in some shady stuff so i'm I'm quite enjoying it i've got a real a real arsehole of a bad guy in it and that is i don't know about you when you've got a nasty character to write it can be fantastic writing him
0: yeah we, we have different processes in that you're writing in series and i tend to write um Standalones, but it must be exciting for you uh, coming up with this antagonist. So every book has an antagonist, I guess, and and you have to create this new guy or girl every.
1: Yeah, and they have to be different. So like, yes, two books ago, I had probably my favorite one so far, which was like an arms dealer who was like a from the Croatian special forces who nice. had started to become too powerful, and he was mean. He was an awesome character to write, and then the last book. I had to write different types of characters because I had, like different hitmen coming into the book, so they have oh, to be slightly yeah. different. This one, the main bad guy in this one, is a... Mr. A, Hudson. Mr. Hudson is going to be a bad guy in it, but the main good bad memory. guy... He's very good memory, <laughs> uh, especially in your older age. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, the main bad guy in this one is actually the son of a billionaire who's like a... Um, social media influence, you know, the type. He's just yeah. so rich. He's all over social media. He's got no skills. um But he keeps um, being accused of, like, sexually assaulting women. But because he's got so much money and power behind him, it keeps getting, like, thrown out or out of court stuff and things like that.
0: Oh, well, very contemporary.
1: So then Sam decides to investigate it And give him the opportunity to do the right thing. So with that threat over him, the guy goes running to his dad because his dad's the actual billionaire. And then his dad hires Mister Hudson to fix the situation. So it's quite a different, yeah. So I'm quite excited. It's like escalating and escalating and stuff. But this one is there's no grey line. There's no there's no grey in between. It's like yeah, this guy's an asshole. Yeah, like we're rooting for Sam in this one.
0: <laughs> that, that's fantastic. I have to say, what, we we don't do this podcast to sell ourselves in any way at all. But if if that is your bag, I would highly recommend Rob's first book, "The Night Shift," the first of the Sam Popes. We're not here to sell. I don't I don't want to sell up to you. But if that is your bag, "The Night Shift," available on Amazon. Thank you very much, David. Not, not at all. No problem. To the
1: others. So David, today we are doing a deep dive into the costs of self-publishing. We're going to talk about that dirty word money. <laughs> um I think you and I made a, a commitment uh before we did this where we said we'll be quite open about um like how much we spend uh yeah. so people can understand and get an idea of the outgoings we have to be able to do this full-time. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's a couple of ways we can break this down. I guess there's the, the the pre-publication costs, so the cost of getting our books to market, and then the costs of getting them in front of readers and yeah. you know, making sure they sell. So I guess there's probably no better place to start than the pre-publication st- uh, point of it.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder, Sort of, we probably have a, a diverse array of listeners. We, we might have listeners who, like us, have nine or ten books out. We mm-hmm. might have listeners who have a manuscript hidden in a Word document in their laptop and they still haven't put it out there. So, yeah, it, it might be a good sort of starting point for us to to really begin at the very beginning. If you haven't published a book yet, or you want to know how we publish our books, we'll, we'll, we'll talk them through it now in in terms of cost. I I think the very obvious ones, Rob, are the the expenses are your book covers, your editing, Mm -hmm. um, and then perhaps your you may have to pay or pay a subscription in order to format your book so so th- these are these are i guess costs that package your book for you ready to sell yeah um and i guess we we could start with editing because because i mean editing is a bit like a fingerprint i guess we we could detail how we do it doesn't mean that's how everybody else has to do it we could all take our own approach to that, but it's probably the is, is it fair to say that's the biggest cost of pre-production of, of before getting your book out there?
1: Yeah. I i would say for me, I spend more on editing than any of the other part like components of of like I've written my book. I now need to put it through a certain process before it's ready to go out to people. Yeah. Editing editing for me is the most expensive one. Me too. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Then there's different types of editing. So it depends mm-hmm. on how you feel as a as an author. Mm-hmm. I'm reasonably comfortable that my structure, I've got the structure down. Like I can I I can do the first act, second act, third act, and I can yeah. make it make sense. Yeah, your plot um, is tight.
0: Yeah. So yeah, you're you, confident your plot is tight, yeah.
1: So obviously you can get like structural editors, can't you? Yes. I don't know if I'm using the correct terms now.
0: Um, yeah, but they, they, tend, they tend to fudge, don't they, the terms as well? But yeah, we'll use structural. So structural is somebody who will go through your manuscript and pick out plot holes, perhaps, or, or things that don't particularly add up from chapter two to chapter four. And, and they're looking for consistency in plot. That's fair to say. They'll structure yes. it for you. Yeah, they'll help you structure it.
1: So and And I, and I believe that's probably a little bit more expensive because you're not yeah you're almost asking someone have a look at this and rejig it
0: yes yeah
1: or or point out where it needs to be rejigged. I don't do that with my editor. I shout her no, out all the time. Emma she's amazing yeah um I don't do that with her um like I said, I'm confident enough in I've written enough books now um I've put it through the editing process enough to know that i I don't need to do that, so I have yeah. more of a an overall edit um yeah. which sort of income encompasses i mean bless so she does a bit of proofreading but she's she's not my proofreader yeah but she looks at stuff where and because she's been with me on this journey and this is why i would advise you know stick with an editor find an editor who's good and then stick with them is yeah. she's familiar with the other books mm-hmm. so if i you know bring in a character back from five books ago and I say that person's from New York, say. Yes. She's got the previous version. She knows. She has a character sheet. She she notes down the characters. She goes back and goes, actually you said that they were from Chicago. Yeah. So I have she goes through my books to make sure they make sense.
0: Yes. Yes, but um, well, that makes sense in itself. I guess it's sort of developmental editor light she's not necessarily changing your plot she's just making sure that you haven't fallen fallen into any holes yeah she's picking up grammar and spelling mistakes as part of a a, a light proofreading that she will do before it goes to yeah, official she, proofreaders
1: she offers like she'll say this sentence doesn't work yeah like this said the way you've structured this sentence doesn't work and then she gives me a suggestion yeah. um so that's that's and does she say to close. you,
0: Robert? Sorry for cutting across you there. Does she say to you, like, I think we could heighten the suspense? Yeah. We're at the start of Act Three, yeah. So, yeah, as Robert said, earlier, if you can, if you can find an editor you really like and that you can form a working relationship with, and Rob certainly has that with Emma, it's worth its weight in gold. It's almost like a collaboration in a sense.
1: Yeah, and and it's. It's such an important part of it. So I'll, I'll put that. The first books I wrote weren't Sam Pope. They were different books. And I had a different editor. Because these are the books I took back from publishers, which we've spoken about previously. Yes. So I went out. I had to find an editor. So I found one. And I found one. So I'm going to start talking money now. Um, yeah. It was about $200,
0: $300
1: for okay. the book. For an 80,000-word book. I was like, well, that's a snip. Yeah um so realistically i think you're probably looking anywhere between six to eight hundred pounds not dollars for like a full edit of a book that'd be my yeah i'd I'd be comfortable in that price bracket to say you're getting a good quality editor
0: for that price yeah i agree it's if if you're writing in uh, the word counts similar to what we do it's fair to say we both aim sort of for around 80,000 words um rob and i you would be looking at certainly six to 800 pounds. I would agree. That's that will be the ballpark for, for a professional good edit. Now you can find editors as you did for 200 pounds. You can, you can just bypass the editing um, phase and just go straight to proofreaders. If you think your plot is, is good enough. But I mean, I think I'm good. You think you're good, but an editor and a good editing is worth its weight in gold
1: it is worth its weight in gold and it's worth the money um, because so the, the 200 pounds, so it's $300 we'll, we'll round it down to, well, it's probably about 300 pounds now. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but so I paid that. And best they, they, they said that she was really nice. She was really sweet. She was, she gave me good feedback. And then I met Emma in person before she, she took on my books. Um, I met her at a writing event right. and uh, she was like, I'm just going to read one of your books. And she read it. And she said to me, did you have this edited? And I was like, yeah, I did. And I paid for it as well. And then she edited that book just to highlight all the things that were missed. Right. And it was startling.
0: Like, Interesting.
1: I, you know, I, and cause the thing is, is I've paid for a, a, a professional edit of the book. I would expect a, prefer- a professional a, edit. And obviously the person, they're different skill levels to everything. And this is where the, you know, if you pay for a good service, you're going to pay, you know, top dollar. Um, yeah. But that that was a difference. So after that, I said to Emma, "I was like, okay, well, going forward, <laughs> you, you can you can take on
0: my books." So brilliant. So she um, sold herself to you in that way. Yeah. Because, nice.
1: um, yeah, and that's that's how you should do it.
0: But well, I, I know other authors who work with Emma as well, and she she seems to be uh, largely lauded. Mm. Uh, my my experience is similar. I haven't formed that relationship with an editor that you have, I've used different editors per trilogy. And that's because my first trilogy are a bit more sort of thriller-esque. And then my next trilogy was set in courtrooms. They were legal dramas. And then my third trilogy is based in America. So I needed different voices for each trilogy. So I've I've sort of changed my editors. But but like you, I aim for about 80, 82,000 words normally. And... Yeah, it's always been probably on the cheap end of what you mentioned there. I pay $600, yeah. which probably works out at about £550. That's what I'm paying at the moment. But I have paid more than that for my legal trilogy, my trial trilogy, because that that needed a specific sort of level of expertise. Um, but yeah, same as you, at my editing, my main developmental edit, to call it that, costs $600 but yeah. they're similar to you Robert and then but after that I then get three rounds of proofreading do you do something similar two or three rounds of proofing
1: what with my editor
0: not necessarily with that editor do you hire somebody else then there so, I, have,
1: so uh, I get my edit back um and um, bless it she does a big proof on it as well my punctuations appalling um, right. Yeah. However, I I don't focus on making sure I'm spelling everything correctly, or you know, yeah. I'm just if I'm at the keys and I'm I'm banging out five thousand yeah. words in a day, I don't care if I miss a full stop or I yeah, miss. Yeah, your job
0: is story, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: But then I get it back. I get all the revision, you know, the the recommended revisions. If I'm, I can then send it back if I want another pass at it from Emma, uh, oh, which right. I've done before. Like, okay, I've made the changes. Could you go back through? And these are the changes I made. So no, read the whole book again, but these are yeah. this is what I've taken your advice on. Can you do this? I then have a separate proofreader. So it's worth people knowing that proofreading and editing, I think we've banged this drum before. Yeah, It's a different process. Totally different. Um, so I spend about a hundred-ish pounds on a proofreader.
0: So yeah, similar. After, I've,
1: after I've got my book back from Emma, done the revisions... If it's gone through a final pass, then I then pass that on to my proofreader, who then goes through with a fine tooth comb to, to pick out spelling mistakes. Anything that slipped through the net, like I'm not paying Emma to to proofread it, so she won't yeah. pick up all of them. So then I hopefully this person goes through it line by line, fine tooth comb. And it, it helps that um, the proofreader is a fan of the book, so she likes reading them. Um, right. But she picks out um, she just that basically gives me a list
0: page line what the mistake is interesting yeah so i go through a similar process once it comes back from my main developmental editor which is the main bulk of my cost um whose job as you say isn't to pick out spelling mistakes or grammar or punctuation it's to make sure the story is as tight as it can be Um, i'll go through her notes i'll I'll change it and write it up and i still know there's some errors in there somehow i will then pass it through three rings of proofreaders now yeah, this is a bit of a, I think we'll probably go into cost saving and how we can do things uh, a bit more reasonably or at discounted charges uh, towards the end of this conversation. But this is one way I do it. My proofreaders are not experienced proofreaders or editors. They haven't been through university and got a degree in literature or they're not working in any publishing company. They are, one is a librarian who just happens to be have a great eye for yeah. You know, uh, SPAG, which is what we call it in English literature, spelling, punctuation and grammar. Um, So £80 for her to go. You know, I just pay her £10 per 10,000 words. And she's very happy to get a mention in the back of the book. And and, and she's really good at going through it. There's another uh, girl, a young girl who's only 19 years of age, but she's going through college at the moment um, studying literature. And her ambition is to work in publishing. But I happen to know. Somebody who knew her, and you were talking about how great she was. Annotating, she annotates all these classic books and stuff at home. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll have a proofread mine to catch any mistakes before it goes to publication. Yeah. Yes, another eighty pounds, and so so it's it's low cost, and I guess all in between spending six hundred dollars and then a couple of eighty pounds, or maybe three eighty pound charges that I go through for proofreading all in, I'm probably paying about £800 pounds in total. Yeah. And Before I feel my book is clean and ready to be um, launched.
1: And, and here's the thing, there's probably going to be listeners now thinking £800, are you mad? Like, yeah, you, know, you, you, um, you, know, you championed in our first podcast, you know, we treat this as a business. We love writing. We love the creative side of it. Yeah. But this is a business. This is what we do for a living. And with any business, you need to invest money. Yeah. Now, the importance of making sure it goes through all this process and you pay for good quality editing and proofing is it's okay if you get a bad, bad reviews because people don't like your book. They don't like the story. They don't like your way of telling it. I don't know. I've had reviews from people saying, oh, it's a bit far-fetched or uh, I've seen people do this better. I was like, okay, fair enough. The yeah. one thing you don't want to get is bad reviews because too many spelling mistakes, um, poorly written, um, needs a good proof, those types of yeah. things. Because, they're killer those
0: reviews. They yeah, can kill
1: you. because they're the type of reviews that aren't, oh, this isn't my preference. Those are the reviews which this isn't a good product. And then you yeah. just think about that with, and I hate saying, obviously, I say things like books and commodities and products and whatnot. But just think about like you're going to buy a new kettle, okay. Right? Anything about? because I'm addicted to drinking tea. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you go buy a new kettle and there's a kettle, I don't know, someone's put a bad review on it saying, it doesn't go with my kitchen aesthetic. Well, in your yes. head, you go, yeah, but it might go with mine.
0: Yes. Silly if review. The,
1: if the review says, doesn't work, only heats half the water, only heats like for 10 seconds and it keeps failing. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not going to buy that one. So, you don't want bad reviews based on the fact that what you've put
0: out is not unprofessional,
1: It's unprofessional. Yeah. And it's not to a high yeah. standard.
0: Yeah. You, you, you really need to package your book. If you want to make money from it, that's not to, you know, again, we'll say this probably every podcast, there are people who just want to write a book and publish it and put it out on Amazon. And, 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 and you know, that's fair enough. Absolutely. But if you want to make a business out of your, uh, in the ordering, Well, you need to package your product up as professionally as you possibly can. And editing is probably the the main sort of way to ensure your book is professional as it can be. The other one, of course, when you talk about packaging is the literal packaging, which is your book cover. And that's another Cost entirely. So let's say if if we're just parking editing aside for a moment, is it is it is it fair to say that we both spend similar amount between seven and eight hundred pounds all in between main edit and some proofreading? Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Two of us do that. Okay. Book covers. Now this is the one way to make sure your book looks good, and in fact, it is your biggest selling tool. I think there's two major selling tools. One is your book cover and two is the blurb or the description that you write for your book, because they're the two things that will appear on your sales page on Amazon or wherever you're selling your book, book covers. My wife is a, I would say a world class designer. Nice. She has designed websites for the president of Ireland. She has designed her own wallpaper range. She's designed her own um, greetings card range. And she now coaches people on how to coach on how to be creative. So I would call her a world class designer, but I asked her to design the first covers for my book, and she's not a book cover designer, and they just weren't good enough. They actually looked cheap. They didn't look like they should look.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's hard. Because I
0: I was trying to save money. I didn't want to spend two or three hundred pounds on a good book cover. I was trying to save money, and as good as I think Kerry is, her her eye is fantastic creatively. She's not a book cover designer and they didn't look as well as they could so in terms of book cover i would mark it down if you want to make money from your book i would mark it down as vital
1: yes i would say it's you can't don't put a book out with a homemade cover yeah um, I did that with my first ever one when I, first, before I got my publishing deals, um, I didn't make it myself, but like you, but I have a family member who's an unbelievably skilled artist, unbelievably yeah. skilled with Photoshop, does it for a living. Like makes, yeah, <clears throat> you know, there's not, but the cover I thought was great. But then when yeah. I saw book covers from book cover designers, yeah. um, it was uh, completely different and like, I, I actually last year, beginning of last year, I invested a load of money on getting all of my covers for the Sam Pope series done. Um because a friend of mine who was a again a really good graphic designer made me good covers. Like they were good. They were they were quite easy on the eye. But they yeah. were a world away from
0: what they what should I be. have
1: now. And yeah. the difference I've seen since. Yes. Um going from that to that is it's massive, like
0: but that's fascinating, yeah.
1: And um I would say if you think oh I can't spend money on cover like they're not I spend a couple of hundred pounds. I spend two hundred pounds on my covers. Yeah. Um well two fifty now because I get an audio book cover done as well. But that right, comes yeah, I, with
0: I'm the same. Two hundred and fifty dollars I pay yeah American dollars, yeah.
1: Which again, is like 250 pounds now, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, the pound is so weak. Yeah, it's a yeah. <laughs> horrible yeah. weak
1: pound. Um, <laughs> but I get a cover, a paperback and an audio book cover. So all in all, yeah. and these things are vital. Like, that's vital. So I, I, I'd say, I, I, in my head, I always have it as, it costs me a grand to produce a book.
0: Yes, that's the figure I've arrived at. Yeah. yeah, that's the figure I've arrived at. 1,000 pounds will get you your a professional edit and a really professional book cover designed it it should be mentioned and you did mention this Robert you could you could have the best designer in the world right you could have Stella McCartney design your book cover and it would be this gold plated you know whatever she does but that's not it's not about having the best design a book cover is about you hitting the tropes of what your a book cover in your genre should look like which is the sort of the error I made when my wife uh, designed my earlier book covers it's if you're writing espionage thrillers like you do Robert your book has to scream this is an espionage thriller it's no point in it looking like the best book cover that's ever been designed and you know just gold plated it, it, it needs this somebody needs to see your ads and go oh these are the types of books I so like that, to read
1: you go you look at my book covers online you'll see uh, uh, a good-looking dude holding a gun in front of a cool setting with with an impactful title yeah yeah and it screams action hero straight away but it's like if i say to you okay david i'm going to describe a book cover to you now we have a little birthday fun here i'm going to describe (laughs) a book cover to you i don't have one in front of me i'm just going to tell you because i've seen it a million times you tell me what kind of book this is it looks a bit like maybe a field but yeah it's probably a field and there's a creep there's a house in the background and there's a woman in a red coat walking away from you what what kind of book do you think that is
0: well that looks that's that looks to me like a psychological thriller there you go and yeah and 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 sometimes I often see this Robert a bit you do too as you see um readers and we love our readers not moaning about readers sort of complaining in Facebook groups or in, in other social media about oh, why are the book covers always a woman in a red coat or why, why is this, why is it always a, a guy in a shadow with a gun? It, it, those tropes are there for a reason. It's because it screams out to the reader that this is what this type of book is.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I have pictures. So I keep like a little digital scrapbook of, you know, if I have high rankings and stuff. Like oh I, yeah. Um, so I have them from a few years ago, like when night shift, Got like number one in a category on Amazon with the old cover, and I can see other covers next to it. And then I've got ones now since I made the change to the the new covers, so I see that cover and that cover amongst covers, and the difference is startling. I actually I often think to myself, how did I sell books with a cover that wasn't as impactful yeah. as the ones I have
0: now? So yeah, so um, true. And I I do see a lot of comments from authors as well in and other groups that were in saying, why isn't my book selling? And as soon as you click on the link, you think, well, yeah. the cover looks crap. Yeah. Um, without sounding too crude there, but it, if it's not professional, it, it's going to be hard to have a professional business. So yeah. they are the two main big expenses for you to produce a book. And that is editing, which will cost circuit 800 and uh, book cover design, which will cost circuit 200.
1: So um so that's yeah so i think we can agree it's so around roughly we spend roughly around a grand for yeah for, for producing a book so post publishing so to get your book in front of people i would say there's not really a limit
0: yeah um, how long's a piece of string
1: because the way i've done it and i imagine you've done it as well david is i only paid what i could afford for ads at first so yeah I looked at, I was like, okay, let me do £10. I think we did the same thing. I mean, You scaled it very quicker than I did. I'm going to pay £10 a day. So I knew I had £300 that month to spend on advertising. Yeah. So I'll spend £10 a day on advertising and I'll work it out until I get an ad that brings me back more than that per day. Yeah. So I would say we can't really give you a cost. Roughly for me at the moment, I'll be honest, I spend anywhere between three to three and a half, thousand pounds a month now on advertising yeah so that's about a hundred pounds a day on facebook and then whatever amazon ads spends of my budget because amazon amazon ads are famously difficult to get them to spend all your budget on um but i will preface all of that with all of my ads cover their costs and make you know make it more than enough back so i would say here whatever money you have focus on learning how to do ads probably facebook ads first i think that's the quickest one you can get to figure out and that can make a big impact
0: yeah you get Um, immediate feedback and immediate data on and and if it's working or not
1: yeah and there's 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 so much free videos free um, material online that can show you how to to set them up um so i would implore people to do that i would say there are other things you can be tempted to spend your money on such as uh, you can pay for reviews. You can pay for blog tours. Um, which might be a bit unpopular with some readers or listeners. Cause I might do, it. I don't see a lot of value in paying for that. Um, yeah. I, I've done a few, I've done a few blog tours. Um, and all the bloggers are always too. really nice, really amazing. They, they give you all their time. However, they have no impact on sales. Yeah, and my, that's I, my
0: experience too.
1: I I found that people were more interested in commenting on somebody's review than looking at the book. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, yeah. I I one benefit for blog tours. I'm the same as you, Robert. I'm not. I'm not a, a huge fan, and the people that run them are, are lovely as well. One, uh, my experience, your experience. I've spoken to other authors about this. It will not bring you in any sales, even if somebody writes the most glowing five star review. One thing I like to do it, to use a blog tour is because it, it's an official review. I like to use it to pull, to grab pull quotes out of it. If somebody says this was a sensational thriller, I'll pull the word sensational out and I'll put it in, uh, inverted commas and quote marks with a five with five stars over, and I'll use it in my marketing.
1: That's it. You use it in your paid for marketing. In my paid for marketing, so,
0: but yeah.
1: So I I I have pulled quotes in my uh, my marketing, but they're pulled from Amazon reviews yeah um which i get from people buying the book which i get people to buy the book by getting good at advertising so yeah. i'd say to our listeners we can't really give you i've given you like roughly costs of how much i spend monthly i, I think you're probably in the same ballpark david i think you
0: you're yeah, saying 100
1: some... hundred pound a day mark
0: yeah 100 pounds on Amazon, sometimes there's 120 a day on Facebook, I mean, meant to say, and then Amazon could spend anything between, you know, there's days where it just sends £10 from me, and there's days where it spends £100, and it's fairly inconsistent, so I'm, I'm not sure, but I think I spend between four and 5000 on ads a month um, in general, and that's not, I, I, that, I don't want that to shock any of our listeners, that's not what you have to do, I've managed to work myself up to that.
1: Well, well that's it, it's it's working it up, so find yeah. out what you can realistically afford you have to invest you have to invest the money to, yeah. to 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 get your book in front of people you're not going to write well, a book drop it and people go oh wow look at this book by this unknown author i don't know anything about i'm going to spend yeah i've got a million of us are going to buy it yeah so, uh, to,
0: to, to sum up in, in in a sense that if you want to make if you want to have an indie author business well, then it's like any other business. You need capital to start that. And we've uh-huh. already discussed that you're going to need about a thousand pounds to make your book look professional. Thereafter, if you had another thousand or two thousand. So say you started with capital of three thousand pounds. You saved up and said, I, I believe in my book. I'm going to invest in it and I'm going to invest three thousand pounds in it. A thousand pounds will make it look professional. And then if you have another thousand or two thousand to spend on marketing, well then do what Robert suggested, ten pound ad. ads. A Few 10 pound ads. Which one is bringing me back 20 pounds? Oh, this one's bringing me back. I'm going to turn off this these two 10 pound ads that aren't working and I'm going to turn up the heat on this 10 pound ad. Now I'm spending 20 pounds. Now I'm spending 30 pounds and it's bringing me back 60. Now I'm spending 60 pounds and it's bringing me back over 100 pounds. Find an ad that works for you. Test, test, test with these small 10 pound ads until you find one that's being profitable and just turn the heat up on it. Suddenly you'll find that your two or three grand that you've invested is going to come back to you pretty soon. If you know, I mean, that, that's not a definite for everybody. But if your book is professional, great cover, well edited, really good plot line, unique story, you, you you can earn your money back.
1: That there is the sagest thing you've ever said, David.
0: Oh, I say a lot of sage things. So that must be sage. It was incredibly sage.
1: <laughs> um, no, that was summed up perfectly. And I think if our listeners take anything from this podcast today, apart from the fact that it's your birthday and that you have ugly friends. Um, yes. It's that yeah. one that there is exactly what you need to do to, to get ahead on marketing. Cause that's exactly yeah. what you and I did.
2: Yeah, find that's the what ad, we did.
1: Find the ad that starts making money and turn it up, turn it up. Yeah. You have to, you yeah. have to pay money to do it. So just to, to bring this cost to a close, so we don't have to keep talking about filthy, dirty money. <laughs> There are, we mentioned it, there are a couple of things you can do. If you are on a budget, and we, we appreciate people don't have loads of money, and especially at this yeah. moment in time, the world's a yeah. bit of a rubbish place economically. Absolutely. Yeah, There are a couple of things you can do that can save some of the costs. So the one I have, um, and it made a massive impact for me. So when I mentioned earlier about my, the book cover I put out with the homemade book cover, and it didn't do very well. Yes. I found you can get pre-made covers from book designers. So what book designers usually do is they will come up with three or four designs for a bespoke cover that someone's asked for. So I get mine custom made. So that's why they cost a couple of hundred pounds. Yeah. However, what they would usually do is if you go to them and say, could you make me this cover? This is the book. This is a story. This is a the genre. They'll come back with three or four designs yeah. and you pick the ones you like. You then They then take that one, you edit it, edit it until you get the perfect cover. The three other designs that they had, they then slap a generic title on it, a generic author name, and then they sell that. Like My my designer does that, sells it for 50 quid. So all you get is you can put your title on it, your author name on it, maybe a revision, like, oh, could you just yeah. change the color slightly? A little bit here, yeah. But suddenly you have a book cover that, that wouldn't look out of place on the Amazon uh, Marketplace.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, alongside books of similar genre, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it, that's a very a discounted way of getting a professional book cover is yeah. one that's already been designed. Yes, and so, you just decide to take it. Yeah. And
1: and they they have loads of different genres and stuff like that. So for for any listeners out there who want to get a cover done, the cover the um, cover design I use is called the Cover Collection. Um. So if you Google them, they have different genres with pre-made covers that all cost. I don't know if they still cost 50 pounds because I bought that a couple of years ago. So it might be yeah. 60, 70 pounds. But again, it's, it's a way of getting a professional cover.
0: That's not going to, that's not going to cost this,
1: you hundreds of pounds. You back.
0: Yeah. Um, I must mention my book, Mibble art. They also do pre-made covers as well, seeing as Rob's mentioning his yeah. um, because they listen to this, uh, they're fantastic Mibble art. So yeah, that's one way. Another way, and it's hard to, it's hard Robert for us to, to tell our listeners, to scrimp and scrape, or how to discount when it comes to editing, and mm-hmm. um, because we 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 are firm on, on 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 that really needs investment editing. But there are ways. If you have a, a bit of a fan base, you could have better readers or arc readers who are advanced readers, who may come back to you and say, "Oh, this was spelt wrong. I noticed a couple of uh, errors here and black." You can you can get a bit of a, a, a cheap or a, or a free. A, um proofread that way by using your fan base but of course it's, yeah. that's a bit catch-22 because people who are starting out do not necessarily have a fan base but it's another way of 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 perhaps saving some some pounds if, if things are tight
1: yeah and i think i would always say spend what you need to spend your money on um like pay pay the good money to get a good book out at the end of it um because you can make it back Like that's the thing is every, every, all that money we spend on it, but we make back. And then after that, everything is just profit. It's profit.
0: Yeah. Um, But it uh, is fair to say that if you want an in the order business, you have to treat it like an in the order business. So you need capital from the outset, like you would need for any business. But if you're not willing to do that, well then you will have to suffer the consequences of that. And the consequences of that are, it it won't become a business. You won't, your, your books won't sell enough to, to, you know, bring in the money you need in order for it to be a, a successful business.
1: And we're all about success here, aren't we, David?
0: We are indeed. We're all about, um, you know, sh- sort of making, not just getting ideas, the uh, that manuscript you have saved in a Word document published. We're all about particularly these guys who have three or four books out already who just aren't making enough of them. And uh, yeah, so they're, they're, we really want to help these people. They, what you, if you have three or four manuscripts written, that is gold dust. You have gold dust in your laptop there somewhere. Um, and if you want to take advice from me and Rob, we, we can certainly teach you how to make money from them.
1: So David, um I'm very thrilled by the fact that um our listeners are now sending us questions on Facebook, which is yes. really good. It's what we wanted. I will say someone did point out the other day, they didn't didn't have a question at first. They did point out that you saying three trilogies had them in stitches.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the Dublin accent with the trees, the THs. Yeah, you, three could... trilogies. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fan service. <laughs> Love it. Um so this week we have a question
1: from Oscar Soderbergh. um i'm pretty sure i didn't butcher that name i'm terrible with saying names i'm the worst but yeah so oscar has asked um well he sent us on facebook oscar said you mentioned trying wide publishing but that it didn't work for you was wondering how long you tried and what types of marketing you did for the wide venture
0: yeah it's a really good question do you know what i wish it was a question that I could answer differently <laughs> than yeah. how I'm going to answer it. Is the truth of it weirdly enough? Rob and I, we, we've known each other a few years, sort of through Facebook. We we befriended each other and then we, we we started to talk, which turned into this podcast. But one day we messaged each other and said, "I think you messaged me and said I've gone wide today." And went, "No way, I've gone wide today." <laughs> and this is this was about two or three years of us both being um, exclusive to Amazon. And we've explained the difference between wide and exclusive before having me on the podcast. So exclusive is where you're just selling your books through Amazon or uh, did I say that right? Exclusive is when you're just sending your books through Amazon. Wide is when you're with wider retailers online. Um, So we both had been with Amazon exclusively for quite a while. And then we decided to take the plunge on the exact same day without telling each other. We both put our books wide. It was about what? to answer Oscar's question, about a month to six weeks later, I looked at it and I realized this is not really working out for me there. The big benefit of saying exclusive at Amazon is because you enter their subscription policy and their subscription policy or subscription system is a bit like Netflix, where people pay a few pounds a month mm-hmm. to have access to be able to download multiple books yeah and if you're in that kindle unlimited kindle unlimited that's what it's called yes and we get paid as authors for every page that is read of any of our books now it's a decimal of a a, a penny so i think it's like 0.0035p you get for every page read i have about 300 320 pages per book so if somebody reads all of my book i get about one pound 40 or something uh, and 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 the thing about that is it really adds up at one point i was getting 60,000 page reads per day which was really adding up and turning over money at the moment i'm getting about 20,000 page reads which is 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 decent money and it all adds up it's about it's about 30 i actually calculated as it's 38% of my income is from this subscription model which is called kindle unlimited ku and i think yours is is your similar or is it a bit more than that rob your percentage mm-hmm. of your income
1: a uh, percentage of my income this month is more Kindle Unlimited than sales.
0: Ah, uh, interesting. For this, Fascinating.
1: For this year, it's at about 40% Kindle Unlimited, 60% sales. Yeah. Um, But I guess it's it's one of those things, isn't it, David, where, you know, the idea of being wide is, is fantastic, but yeah. would you take 40% out of your salary? Exactly. Do you, do you know what I mean? That's that's essentially what it is. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. It's a big so, ass.
1: I, mean, I think you found out a bit quick. I, I stuck at it a little bit longer. You did. Because um, I had a series. So I was like, okay, this works. So I started with what is known as a loss leader, which is I put the first book for free on all the platforms and then hope to make money through the, uh, the read-through. And for the first few months, that worked really well, especially on Apple and Kobo um Mm -hmm. and there was actually no impact to my sales on amazon if anything they probably went up a little bit just because people couldn't get it through kindle unlimited anymore yeah however after a couple of months that tailed off um I, i even released a book while i was wide and that had no real um it didn't really turn it around and then i found that you're um doing ads to each platform so instead of having uh one fifty pound ad to amazon which is making say a hundred pounds a day i had to then start doing like ten no five ten pound ads one to google one to apple one to um kobo readers because you can specify this on facebook that they people who have said that they've got a kobo yeah but then you know going from that to that then they weren't <laughs> so apologies um they weren't Making back their money and I wasn't seeing it. So I started burning money on Facebook ads and yeah. I wasn't making anywhere near the same amount, but I was spending the same amount, yeah. if not more. And then I think the real kicker for me was um, I, I did a Bookbub deal. So Bookbub, we'll probably talk about in more depth on another um, podcast. We've mentioned it before, it's like a subscription service where. <laughs> people get uh, emails about discounted books and they're gold dust for authors to get. They cost a lot of money to get. Yeah. However, I've always been told that if you're wide and you get a book bub deal, it's like, like chef's kiss. You're going to make chef's so kiss. much money now because not only are you sending it out to Amazon readers, you're sending it out to all, all the platforms. I got yeah. one and I didn't even break even on it. And I've broken ah, an even right. or usually far past what I spent just when when i'm exclusive exclusive to amazon yeah and i think that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me that i was like right i can't hemorrhage money because this is obviously not when i was full-time this was when i had a job and i was doing this on the side and i was like yeah i'm not getting anywhere near where i need to be whilst i was wide so interesting i tried advertising wide and it just it just didn't take so yeah
0: yeah, I'm the same as you. I didn't go into as much depth of, of marketing towards the other sale, the other retailers like you did. I didn't get a BookBub deal, and I didn't go into sort of Kobo prime deals. So what I did do was Facebook ads had been so profitable for me, um, delivering them to Amazon. And as soon as I was with Kobo and Barnes & Noble and Apple and Google and all these other retailers, because I was now wide, I was sending my Facebook ads these retailers too hoping they would be just as profitable as my amazon ads would be but whereas i was spending say a hundred pound on an amazon ad and i'd get 200 pound back if i was spending a hundred pound going to these wide retailers i just wasn't seeing profit and so uh, um apart from the fact that i was losing 40 percent of my income because the subscription model was now gone for me you can't be with kindle unlimited if you're going wide um Apart from losing that 40% of my income, I was just found I was spinning too many plates and I was trying to, you know, change this ad and change that ad and, you know, and it just, I gave it about six weeks, maybe seven weeks, and then I went back to Amazon. As Robert has said on podcasts before, in an ideal world, I would be wide Morally, I would be wide, but at the moment, it makes sense for my business to be with Amazon and it, it condenses my business. It means I'm just focusing on this one platform, and all my advertising goals there, and I can read all my data off that. It makes sense to me. I would prefer to be wide. I'm exclusive. Yeah.
1: So, but also Oscar, if you are listening, which obviously yeah, hopefully you are, because you asked me, you asked us this question. <laughs> I would say if you want to go wide, definitely go wide. Yeah. Um. I would I would champion it, but yeah. it's it's a it's a very
0: tricky thing to get a hold it- of it's a lot of plates to spin, but yes, it, it, a lot of advice, Robert, and I will give about a lot of things but particularly about this is test, test, test. So don't be afraid to test going wide and tests being exclusive and find out which at the end of the day, which is most profitable for you. Two.
1: Right, so now it's time for our seven questions, where each week we interview a fellow independent author and post to them the same seven questions with the aim of extracting knowledge from their brains and to hear another perspective on the world of self-publishing. Today, we are thrilled to be joined by Claire C. Riley. Hello, Claire.
0: Hi. So excited about this.
2: Nice to meet you all. Claire,
0: thanks so much. How are you?
2: Yeah, good. Busy. Busy, as usual, as you know. Being being indie, you don't stop. You kind of have to cover every single job.
0: (laughs) Yes. A lot of place Uh, to
1: spin, yeah. yeah.
2: Um,
1: Well, before we start throwing questions at you, um, would you like to introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what what books you write
2: not really but i will do <laughs> <laughs> um i'm author claire C. riley uh usa today best-selling author of about 40 odd books i think now wow. um i write a, a multi-genres so i do um zombie apocalyptic books i've got a Eight, nine, ten, eleven book series. Um, my Odium series. Um I've uh-huh. written horror. I do also a romance series as well, like a biker romance series. Um and it's like a crossover between the, the two series, because I've got some readers who basically read both books, so I kinda did like a nice little crossover for them. Um Great. my favourite thing to write is probably my thrillers, though, my thrillers and suspenses and stuff, because I love a little murder mystery. So but yeah, that was me. Oh,
0: oh wow. So if, if somebody was to start with a Clarity Riley book, what's what's the book they would start with?
2: I'd ask them probably <laughs> what they read beforehand because if you if you start on the wrong one, you're yeah. um, yeah, not coming back. Yeah, basically, this is like a rabbit hole. <laughs> you're you not coming back out of that. Um, but no, if, if anyone's reading sort of like thriller, suspense, I would probably go um, Fragments of Dolores or Beautiful Victim, something like that. Um, if they're into like the whole apocalyptic stuff, I'd probably start with my Odium series. Um, I do have three different zombie apocalypse series because I co-author with a couple of other people as well. Um, so uh, I've got a Red Eye series which I write with one of my actual best friends who lives in America, um, Ellie Constant. Oh wow! And then I write with another author called Madeline Sheehan, and we've got a, a Thicker Than Blood series, all apocalyptic, all zombies oh, killing wow. the dead. Oh, fascinating! So well, I don't awesome. know
0: whether you've heard the Seven Questions before, Claire, but. Um, You may have already answered the first one. So the first of the seven questions we like to ask our authors is, are you full time?
2: No, I was. I wasn't. Ah. And then I was. And then I went back to work because I hated it. Like I literally hated it. Interesting. Um, The isolation? Yeah, basically. Um, And I don't know whether it becomes from, like I said, I've got three children. So I'm used to kind of just being on my feet and constantly doing like a million different things. And I was like, oh, my God, I just want to be able to just sit and write. And then I sat and I was like, I've got Mm. like seven hours. I'm going to go and make a cup of tea, do a bit of cleaning. I'm going to paint that bit of wall. And I just faffed. Um, Whereas like yesterday I had an hour spare and I shoved out like 2000 words in an hour. Whereas when I was writing full time and I had like six seven hours, I was like struggling for five hundred words because I was like, "I've got ages." It was really really hard. Fascinating.
0: I can totally relate to that. I have say, this summer I was I had just too much time on my hands. And I, if I'm if I'm world class at anything, it's procrastination. Yeah, it's just so easy. Yeah. It really is. Also, that's that's probably the most fascinating answer we've had to this question. So you were full time. You could conceivably be full time yeah. easily. With your forty-plus books, yeah. but you find the isolation a little too much. That you want a bit more collaborative. Work yeah, yeah. To interest. I was
2: literally going. On, I was going best- on the school run, and I was like, the other parents have gone up and going, "Hi, do you have a good day." And I was like. Uh. <laughs> because i've not spoken to anyone in hours and i was like oh my god what is happening to me it was awful i hated it do
1: you know what just to add on there because i said like i said i've only been full-time for like a month Mm. now and i'm like a little puppy i'm loving Mm. all the time to write i'm assuming there will be a point where you know i will procrastinate Mm. and get annoyed about it um but i think i even said to my wife the other day i was like i'm gonna go pick up our kid from nursery and she was like, oh, I'm happy to go do it. I was like, no, I'm going to do it because I haven't spoken to anyone for like two days. <laughs> Please let me yeah. speak. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. So that is a very, that's an absolutely fascinating answer. Um, question two mm. are, you, are you wide or are you exclusive with Amazon?
2: I am both. Another weird answer. Oh. For you. So, with some of my co-authored books, I am wide. So we do uh-huh. we go everywhere. Um, with my personal books, I am exclusive. Um, just because the bulk of my wages is made up from Kindle Unlimited, unfortunately. Focus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, well, you said, funny enough,
1: funny enough, on our um, mailbag, we, qu- we had a question about this, and we both said, "Like we're both um, exclusive mm. because like forty percent of our our income comes from Kindle Unlimited." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we both are the same with you as, unfortunately, that is the yeah. case because eth- ethically, I'd love to be wide, yeah. but it's 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 just the reality of the situation. I think if you really, manage to
2: take off on other platforms you've got it made you, you're brilliant but yeah. it's finding that one book and that one group of readers because that's where it all comes down to it comes down to your group of readers your core readers and if they can yeah. you can find them on another platform then they will take you off and you're absolutely fine but I mean I've seen authors try going wide multiple times in the past what like I've been writing for 10 years 11 years um, and they've always yeah. ended up going back into Kindle Unlimited because and because it just nine times out of ten, it just doesn't work for them. You know, you, you're just making yeah. such a fraction of the amount of money. Um, but it is awful to have everything in Amazon's basket.
0: It's just yes, I totally cool. agree with you. I, I am one of those authors who have tried mm-hmm. wide uh-huh. and, and came back, but it's and and Robert is too. But yeah, what, what you can, it's hard to throw away forty percent of mm-hmm. income, I guess. But in, in an ideal world, we would all like to be uh, wide, yeah. I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Morally. So, question three, getting into the sort of crux of of what we do, could could you name one service that you use as an indie author, Claire, that you could not do without?
2: I since I'm really stupid, but Pick Monkey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's new on me. I'll, yeah, what? So <laughs> I've never heard that.
2: PicMonkey is—it's uh, I think it's about fourteen quid a month, maybe eleven quid a month. It depends on which which level you go on. And it just—I make all my graphics, all my teasers, all my logos, all my swag stuff, bookmarks, and everything on it. It's fantastic, and it's so simple to use. Mm-hmm.
1: Actually, I've never heard
2: of this. Really? Oh, it's it's yeah. really good. Really, really good. I'll send you the uh, link for it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, please do. They do tutorials uh, you... and everything. Free tutorials on how to use it. There's um, it's connected to um, connected to. I can't remember what the photo site is. So you can get like free downloads of loads of images, videos, everything. It's fantastic. I don't know why not more people. So do you
0: use this for your? advertising images? Yeah,
2: yeah. So any graphics that I make, any teasers, um, any logos, swag that I make. um, And obviously it all goes on to like stickers and magnets, bookmarks, everything. I make it all on now. It's brilliant.
0: Oh, I'm gonna have to check that out. I use Fiverr at the moment and I have a guy working in Pakistan who, who does good work for me mm-hmm. and it's reasonable, but I'm still spending like maybe fifty or sixty quid. Oh year, no, you so don't I'll need it. Look at yeah, that. Yeah,
2: it's, it's literally. I yeah. think I think at mine is. I think I had it. It was eleven, and then I think it's up fourteen now. But it's still massively, massively worth it because it's so simple to use. Um, and, yeah. the, and like I said, you, you I, I was, I did have big stock, but I've got rid of big stock for like the you know the images that you need because I can use the images that are on there. So I don't need it. I don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great answer.
1: Is it pick pick monkey pick monkey
2: P I C monkey?
1: There I was go. going to do an impression,
2: yeah. but yeah, pick <laughs> monkey.
1: <laughs> it actually, sounded, it just sounded like you said whoop, whoop, like you were celebrating. about <laughs> both, <book>, you know. <laughs> um, they can use that for their own marketing. Yeah, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. So, what a segue. Question four: How do what? How do you market your books? What's an overview of your marketing strategy?
2: um you need to obviously start promoting early um as soon as you start with a, a title idea or an idea literally just start promoting it then from that very second even if you've got no idea when it's going to be released or if it's going to be released because we've all done that haven't we um yeah you just literally start promoting it straight away i go i did a couple of uh, marketing classes some of the alessandra tour ones And she does some really, really expensive ones, but she does some free ones as well. So keep an eye out for them. They're really, really useful. Mm. And she did one on Goodreads and all the little Mm. sneaky things that you can do Mm. on Goodreads, which basically gets you into all of your followers and subsequent followers um, email boxes. So you've got like, when I'm writing Odium 8 at the moment, so as soon as I started writing that book I added it onto Goodreads and then I added it into my currently reading book so all my followers then go oh I'm currently reading book eight but book is not out yet oh right okay so then they add it and then as I'm writing along I'll be like I'm currently at reading 20% and I'll put like a bit of a thing oh my god this amazing thing just happened um or this scene absolutely killed me can't wait for you to read it and you're Post it and obviously then it goes straight into their thing. So they're getting excited about it all the way along. Um
0: Right. So you're constantly yeah, yeah what's
2: what's and it's literally, rather than just yeah, And it it's a 30-second thing to do. Um and then by yeah. the time your book is ready or you do a new cover reveal, you can obviously then add your cover onto it. It's already in everyone's boxes, so then they can, you know, they'll start promoting it, they'll sh- start sharing it for you. Um they've even got they've got a free blog on there. So as an author, if you've got an author profile, you can make your own blog up there. So you can put like giveaways or cover reveal coming this week. Make sure you're sharing it constantly. There's three things that you can do every single day on Goodreads and you should do every single day on Goodreads. And that's your book update, blog if you can once a week and you've got a status update, um, which you can do. And they're literally five minute marketing things that you can do.
0: I've never utilized
1: Goodreads. I'm fascinated by this right now because I've never Me even too. looked at Goodreads as a modern yeah. platform.
2: My God, yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 such an underused tool. It really, really is, and it's so so helpful. And um, and I think because we're told all the way along, like Goodreads is for an author, bad, bad. You got to stay away from Goodreads. You don't respond mm. to reviews. That's what I've been told. Yeah, God, to no, them. don't. It's, it's amazing. It's the it's the biggest platform. The, biggie's book platform that you can utilize so utilize it use it there's so many things oh. you can do on it so many things
0: well, claire i am up for having you on as a, a main talking point <laughs> for our show just to discuss it yeah. good. That, that's fascinating to me i genuinely i swear i've been told don't go near a good read. it's not good for an author
1: so i'm i'm gonna make you feel sick now claire Uh-oh. because i've been told that same thing as well to the point that I don't even think I've claimed (gasps) several of my books on Goodreads. And I think they're all still showing their old covers on there. No. Like, yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, my God. But you've changed
1: my mindset. I'm going to make a note now that I'm going to go and... I'm going to write write you a to-do list.
2: I'm going to write you both a to-do list yes because honestly literally you have to claim your profile claim your books there's um a group on facebook which you can go in and if you need covers and things changing out you can message in there with your links and they'll swap the covers out for you because it's a bitch to try and change covers out um but they they would they're like admins on the goodreads site, so they can change everything for you claim every book add every book five star your own book as well why would you not five star your own book if you can't give your own book five stars how is anyone else going to give it five stars i think my book's great (laughs) so i think you should think it's great as well it's just like it's just simple stuff that but i think we're all told like you said stay away from goodreads or it's the devil's work and it is stay away from the reviews if they're negative laugh it off If the positive, make sure you leave a little response, really glad that you enjoyed the book. Like That's the other thing you can do as well. If someone leaves you a positive review, even if you don't comment on it, like that. Like because it. every every little step you do on Goodreads imprints across the whole site. So when you like it, all your followers say it comes up as a little notification. Think of it, liked uh, the review for such and such a book. And they go, oh, that was a good review. Let me read that. Oh, right, okay. I'm going to add that to my list. And then that goes on to their followers and their followers. It's the whole pass it on thing. It's fascinating. <sighs>
0: it's really good. Uh, I wish I knew that. I... I, um, I I need to get deeper into this, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I... I, um, I, I, I... Mind blowing here. <laughs> I'm not, I, I really wish I knew that. Which actually brings us on to question um five, Claire. If if there was one thing that you know now that you wish you knew from the outset, what do you think that would be?
2: Um, I would probably go wide right away.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I would definitely go wide. But right, right i sucked into yes. the Ku. Yeah. Yes.
2: So originally, when I first like publishing, obviously I was like, oh. I didn't want to go wide. I wanted to go straight to Amazon because I was like, this is probably just going to be like one single book and, you know, that's it. It was just, it was something I'd always wanted to do, but it was like a bucket list thing. Um, And it just took off and it did really, really well. And I was making so much money. It was stupid. And then I did the second book and the third book. And then Amazon went, no, you're all making too much money. We're going to do Kindle limited. And I was like, oh, I just need to figure it out. I just need to figure it out. And now 11 years later, I'm like, I just need to figure it out. (laughs) Because I'm still, even with the amount of books that I've got, I'm still not making the amount of money that I was in those first few days. Uh, Oh, in those first few years, it's. uh, But I wish I would have. When that would have happened, I would have gone wide then because I could have then spent the last eight years building that plot. You know that side up. Whereas now I'm so reliant on that income, Mm -hmm. I can't take that dip because if it goes pear shaped, I have a mortgage. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. If I could say to anyone, I would definitely say make sure you go wide straight away because it's it's a big mistake uh, that I made. Great advice. Mm.
1: Um, question six. What's your biggest frustration as an indie author?
2: Um, algorithms. Algorithms on every single bloody platform. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amazon, Facebook, Instagram. And just as you figure them out and you're like... I've got it. I've got it. And then they go, no, we're going to change it all. (laughs) And I'm like, but why? But I know what I'm doing now. Uh, The algorithm is just literally slay me. They're just. We are a slave to the algorithm. Yeah, Yeah. we are in in all. It's stupid things like I'm in loads of different reader groups on Facebook, and I'll I'll go in. And a reader will be like, oh, I'm looking for such a type of book with such a type of character. And I'm like, I've got that. And they'll be like, why have I not heard of you? And I'm like, because Facebook sucks. And I don't understand yes. because, again, in the early days, Facebook were brilliant and they were making money. Yeah. Readers were getting the books. Authors were making money. And then they changed it all. So, actually, now no one's really massively winning apart from Facebook. It's uh- what's the
1: isn't that uh, the thing? Is um, there was a change that was made, which is like only like three percent of your following or something sees your stuff? If you have a Facebook page, um, only like Three percent, unless you boost it. That's why they always ask you to boost well, posts. That, well, yeah, you, if you
2: want, if you want your thing, audience though.
0: to pay for it. Yeah. yeah, but
2: that's the thing, though. If you do a proper promotional post on Facebook and you do it for like I don't know, hundred and fifty quid, you'll get say four percent of your audience. <laughs> if you boost a post for twenty quid, which I used to be able to do, and I would reach ninety percent of my readers. Now I'll reach two percent of my readers. And then a load of random boost. people that I don't know that then start liking my page that are just bots. Mm-hmm. So realistically, mm-hmm. boosts aren't actually useful at all. Save your money. Don't bother doing it. Save all, that, all yeah. those boost monies off and just do the, the full promotional thing because, yeah, yeah. because yeah. they're not worth it I, otherwise.
1: I agree. But boost posts never work. One, one thing I did know um, that does work is if you have a page, so I, I have an author page, um I, I have a, a group that links to it yeah, yeah yeah um and the group people see more in your group yeah. however not as many people join the group as you're following but yeah. that's one way around it guess, so. if
2: you normally so if you've got a group as well as your your page if you put a i don't know a teaser out for your book share that teaser direct from your page to your group and then in your group tag everyone so like mines riley's rebels so i know everyone uses the everyone thing so you can use the everyone thing or you can you you can actually at the group name tag everyone and go i've got a new teaser up go over like it um and i'm going to pick one lucky reader to get a bunch of swag international it'll cost you a fiver but everyone that goes over if you get 20 people out of your group that go over and like that post or leave a comment or anything like that that post will then be shown to people, more people that follow your page, algorithms, yeah. and then the more people do that see it on your page, the more people like it, and the more people. So it should have a chain reaction. But that's the best way to do it.
0: You're like that's you're like, a, you're like an oracle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm. Le- I'm learning so much in these ten minutes, um, which actually brings us to question, Evan. If you had one piece of advice for our listeners, so our listeners are predominantly authors um, trying to, to, to really make a good go of it. What's the one piece of advice you would pass on to them?
2: I don't think I could give one piece of advice.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, trust your instincts. Um, trust your instincts, listen to what people are telling you. Um, because especially if people are, have been in the business for a while, they do know what they're talking about because they've learned. And it's kind of that thing that you teach your kids, isn't it? Learn from my mistakes um, and learn from everyone else's mistakes and what they're doing and give things a go. Always give things at least six months before you go, actually, that's not working for me. Um, but take those 15 minutes in the morning to go on Goodreads and uh, <laughs> do all those little things yeah. that I was telling you about because it does make a difference. It gets you in front of eyes. So,
0: absolutely, Claire. That's been uh, uh, eye opening and jaw dropping uh, um, <laughs> questions to me. Thanks oh. so much for, for joining. No, us. you're welcome. Yeah, thank you so much, Claire. That uh, has
1: been Rob.
2: Looks absolute, like you're completely like, flabbergasted. you just like, <sighs> <laughs> just, you've
1: literally blown my mind. So, yeah, yeah, my mind is blown to yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, but okay, thank you very much.
2: You're welcome.
0: In the well, thanks very much, Claire. That was a fascinating uh, seven question. It's so fascinating every week, isn't it? It's such a great feature. I'm so happy we came up with that idea. I know, and it's it's
1: what's really good is everyone's tackling it from a different angle. Like everyone, yes. everyone is unique the way they work. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, Claire's been doing done so well over the last however many years, like. Yeah, she was fascinating to listen to. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: fascinating. absolutely. Fair play to her. So, so do you know if, if, if that is your bag, if you're a reader, do check out Claire's books. Highly recommend it. She's doing a great job.
1: Yeah. So, um, no, I guess that's the podcast, Mr. Birthday Boy. I'm going to let you go off and. That's uh, it. In- enjoy the rest of your birthday oh i Um, wish i could if i
0: didn't have that fecking book to be with the editor (laughs) tomorrow i would enjoy my birthday but yeah Yeah. i I, i'm literally as soon as we finish this recording robert i'm i'm back on the manuscript i'm afraid it's not going to be many not going to be a jubile a a great celebration for me i'm afraid this this birthday Uh,
1: what what else does your so if your deadline's tomorrow what's the rest of the all week uh look like
0: well funny enough Because I was getting a bit touchy about the deadline tomorrow. What I'm doing is I'm actually sending my editor the first half of the book tomorrow, Uh which gives me a chance to work. uh, She takes two weeks with a book normally. So she's going to work on that over the next week while I continue sort of redrafting the second half of the book. Um, And then she'll get the second half next Friday. So more redrafting for me over the next week. But I will also at this stage get to the exciting part where I'm drawing up a bit of a marketing plan and and getting some images together to to market this book uh, on Facebook. So that's what I'll be doing over the next seven weeks before we do podcast number six next week. What what did you got over the next seven days? Uh, So I getting my edit back tomorrow
1: should be oh great um so i can crack on with that and then get that ready and set for uh my proofreaders. and then like i said i'm feeding on the mend now so next week i should be able to hit and i don't have any brownie points to collect so i should have quite a few big clear days just to sit and write and um here's a goal i'd like to be over Thirty five thousand words by the next time I speak to
0: oh, you. Okay, we'll hold you to that. Go we'll on, hold then. you to that. Next week we'll open the um, the podcast by asking that question of you, Robert. Yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah, we're we're keeping busy, and as, as listeners will know, me and Rob have books coming out in December. So um, yours is December two, Second. and mine is yeah. December nine. And um, so we will talk you through the launching process and the marketing process of that as it comes. And um, we would love to hear from you. So if you want to reach out to us for a question for our mailbag or even if you have an idea that you would like us to talk about as a main talking point on the show, I think the best way is we're trying to build a community on on Facebook. It's going to build slowly but surely. So reach out to the Two Indie Authors podcast on Facebook and you can ask us any questions. Me and Rob are here because we want to be open and transparent about our business. So don't feel afraid to ask any question at all. Rob, if our listeners want to hit you up directly, where can they find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Facebook uh, as Robert Enright, uh, author, or on
0: Instagram. They're usually where I'm most um, Prominent. prolific.
1: How about yes. you?
0: Um, yes. You hit me on the website, theopenauthor.com, or I'm David B. lines on Facebook, too. Thanks for listening to... Two Indie Authors. <laughs> Have a happy birthday, David. Thank you very much. See you next week.